Welcome to Grace and Cranky, a podcast with Stephen Pedno and Jocelyn Yerksa. This is our invitation to wise aging and healthier eldership. We've been conditioned to avoid conversations about aging. So how can we find the vitality and movement in these resistances? How do we embrace both the grace and crankiness of aging? Can we explore the uncertain, the unknown, and the unknowable about aging and about population aging? What about joyful and wise eldership? We want to welcome the complexities and contradictions of these conversations. This is what we are curious to experiment with and explore on this podcast. This is a way for us to unpack and share the many gifts that we've received along the way of our journey and the journey to come. We look forward to what we have to learn with those that we speak to along the way. And we hope that you have some fun listening and learning along with us. This is a special two-part episode where we get the opportunity to talk with Elwood Jimmy. Elwood Jimmy is originally from Thunder Child First Nation in northwestern Saskatchewan. For over a decade, he has played a leadership role in several art projects and organizations in his home province. After moving to Toronto in 2012, he worked for a number of film festivals in the city, including the Planet in Focus Environmental Film Festival, the Imagine Native Film and Media Arts Festival, the Regent Park Film Festival, and the Images Film Festival. From 2014 to 2015, he was the Administrative Director for Red Pepper Spectacle Arts, a community arts organization that works primarily in Toronto's Indigenous community. As well, he programs for the Bold as Love and Ombasin multidisciplinary collectives that present new works by Indigenous artists and artists of colour throughout the greater Toronto area. He has curated exhibitions and events for a number of centres, including the Art Gallery of Ontario, the Power Plant, a special gallery, Gallery, and the Dunlop Art Gallery, among others. He is currently the Program Coordinator for Musigets, an international arts foundation that delivers programming in Canada and abroad. We are really thrilled to be able to have Elwood Jimmy with us for these next two episodes, and we hope you enjoy as well. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to be here today with, uh, with my dear friend Jocelyn, and we have our first guest, uh, who is the dearest Elwood Jimmy, who we met, we first met through, uh, through the book Towards Braving and, and then diving into the work of the Gisturing Towards the Colonial Futures Collective. Um, yeah, discovering, I think, uh, through this work, a, a bit of, of who you were and then lately meeting you uh, I was about to say in person, but it wasn't. It was on Zoom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it felt uh, it felt true. It felt uh, it felt like really uh, finally meeting you. That's how we decided, Justin and I, to uh, send an invitation to uh, El Hood, who really really appreciated the work and uh, the conversation, and uh, to dive into those conversation of uh, about aging that that we're avoiding and. Mm-hmm. And the many conversations that connect with that. So um, welcome and uh, thank you for being here today. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for uh, this wonderful invitation. I, uh, I've actually been really looking forward to this conversation the last uh, 
week or two since uh, since you extended that invitation. I know, as you mentioned, Stephen, um, we've been talking via Zoom uh, often on the last uh, few months, and uh, that came kind of out of a out of a space that was created for us by our mutual friend uh, Vanessa Andriotti, and I'm really I'm really thankful for for um, her linking all of us together, and I'm really happy to to uh, to be with you both today and. Uh, continue um, the conversation and I guess sharing it with um, beyond our group, you know, and sharing it with uh, with um, people that you uh, choose to share it with. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. And uh, I think maybe to to get us in this this conversation, I think one one of the many things or the many teachings that um, I, I'm still sitting with from Towards Breathing and the work that you do and really this idea of what breathing means in terms of shifting the way we enter in relationship together and, and, and maybe shift the way that we think about reciprocity as I thought about it as, as, as a white settler, as really as maybe sometimes transactional thing. It's I get this and you get that, but like, what does accountable reciprocity uh, means and looks like, and and really sh- showing up and in a way that is um, respectful and honoring and not um, weaponizing of, of ideas, of, of stories, of, of people, of, of experiences, of, of people who, who also, uh, yeah, experience harms. And, and yeah, in, in the work that Jocelyn and I do in aging, I think it's, we had been looking for a while for different ways to talk about that and to look at, yeah, ways to um, to look at intergenerational relationship differently in a way too. Yeah, I was uh, I was just going to add to that that um, that it was really important to us after having the time uh, with Vanessa and um, working with the, with the book with Towards Braiding to figure out actually what does it look like for us to step onto this path and work towards. Um, doing the work ourselves, like not coming to it from a consumptive, like come and do workshops or do trainings, but what does it actually look like for us to step in and uh, step up to grow up ourselves um, and come into the space really uh, to, to figure that out? How does it translate also into the spaces and, and folks that we are working with, um, which is how we came to creating the cartographies of aging, uh, which is sort of our first first step in um, to looking at what what uh, what decolonial practices might look like for us. And then I think it, it, it felt like we went deeper when we had the conversations um, from um, what you were referring to, Elwood, with, uh, with the group, when was that, the late last year? Um, really diving into aging, dying, um, and grief. I'm curious also around that piece, what that, sort of how that comes to be. I don't know if that's the right word to say, but. Well, you know, I, I feel, you know, a lot of the work that I do, I mean, I, I've been working 
uh, in the arts uh, for, for most of my adult life, you know, uh, it's been 20 plus years now. And I've been, um, it's only maybe been about the last maybe four or five years, I've been starting to be really self-reflective about my own practice and practices as an artist, as a curator, as a writer, and uh, how, how those, um, all those begin to to gesture towards what you've mentioned, both of you have mentioned in the last couple of minutes around accountability and responsibility. And I think the larger conversation that you and you both and I have been having around um, aging and dying and growing older and uh, and growing up and showing up differently. I mean, there are all these kind of many, these many layers within within my own practice as an organizer and curator artist that I'm that I'm interested in cultivating not just within myself but within the people the people that I encounter and the people that I work with and um, and that can take many many forms you know it's it's really a context based and it's it's based on the people that you share space with or share an experience with right and so there's no kind of prescribed way of doing it or we've been talking a lot about checklists, you know, uh, the three of us, but then also uh, my colleagues and I in other contexts, you know, that people are always wanting a checklist and um, it really isn't one. I mean, of course they do exist, but uh, they're not going to really get us to where we need to be, you know, um, to, we need to um, work towards interrupting that kind of checklist mentality and work towards, you know, different different structures and spaces and notions and concepts of accountability and responsibility, you know, that I think Stephen was talking about in the introduction here, you know, and how, how we need to kind of be different, you know, and show up differently to, 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 um, to move things differently in, in more generative ways and more in ways that just honor each other more but honor you know the non-human and the earth and the earth as a living entity right and because so much of what we do you know we is it's unsustainable you know we just have all of these entitlements and habits and desires and and um perceived needs you know that that are really unsustainable and very very harmful to the planet and very harmful to you know all our relatives you know human and non-human right so how do we how do we move towards, um, you know, I guess for me, you know, I think a lot about those concepts of accountability and responsibility, you know, and, and how do we, how do we shift and how do we interrupt the non-generative aspects of that and how do we center and decenter ourselves and, and center something else that sometimes, you know, kind of within the, the structures that we live in is, you know, is rendered illegible or, or, or invisible, you know, the, the labor that actually requires, you know, us to move in that way is often diminished or made illegible or invisibilized. And um, so how, you know, within my own work, you know, I try to find ways to amplify people who are doing that kind of work because, you know, they, I mean, they're, they're so busy doing the work that they don't do. And then and it's not required for them to amplify that own work, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not a currency. It's not, um, it's not something that you know they're doing to to make themselves look virtuous or 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 um, or to kind of silo themselves away. It's actually working towards um, bringing people and, and concepts together uh, in more generative ways and, and and in ways that you know doesn't center themselves, right? So I 
I've been thinking a lot, you know, in this new year, you know, I, I, I'm going to share a couple stories and I'm going to try and make them, condense them so they, so they don't take up too much time. And um, uh, one of them is, you know, there's an elder that I work with uh, in my work, uh, um, kind of conceptually and, and artistically, but then also uh, very um, geographically, you know, his name is Peter Schuler. He's an elder from the Mississaugas of the Predic First Nation, but he lives on Six Nations, the neighboring reserve. He's married to a lovely woman there named Lou, and they've lived on Six Nations for at least 30 years, maybe more. And, uh, you know, Six Nations kind of allotted them a, a small plot of land that he's constantly working on, constantly, constantly working on. Um, and the, the, the care of that land is actually a priority for him. And, um, uh, and what, one of the programs I run is a, is an online project right now. It used to be in person, but it's an online project called the O'Damon Cooking School. And it's an online sharing, online educational kind of resource. And he was the first speaker of 2021. He, he spoke uh, maybe about three, four weeks ago. And, and, you know, I think sometimes people come, oh, there's going to be this indigenous elder. And, you know, we're going to be blown away by these profound teachings and sharings. And I have to say there was a lot of that, but it's, it's subtle and it, it doesn't really hit you at the moment, you know. And he took the time, the hour that we had together, just to talk about the work he does on his land. You know, he talked a lot about the invasives, you know, this buckthorn invasive species that takes over everything and how a lot of his time is spent trying to ensure that the buckthorn doesn't take over the entire little plot of land he has. And then also trying to create space for the indigenous plants and flora and fauna that, that, um, that did exist there, but are constantly at the threat of being overtaken without human intervention. So, so this is a lot of the work, like sometimes he'll just spend days and also invasive animals, right? So, and sometimes he just spends days, days working I'm just trying to um, find kind of a sweet spot, so to speak, because he also acknowledged, you know, these invasives are not going anywhere. You know, it's, it's, they're just not, they just will not go away. So how can I find, and you just, you know, it's my obligation in this little tiny plot of land that I occupy to ensure that, you know, the, these, these plants, these animals can somewhat, you know, respectfully coexist, you know, and, um, and, you know, the amount of work that he described and just those small gestures, it's a full-time job, you know, and uh, in addition to that, you know, he's just been building some human structures on his land for people to gather and for people to learn about these things. And, and it was, I wish sometimes more people had heard that story he shared just because, you know, there's this kind of romanticization of the land, you know, and, and, you know, I think me. I think a lot of people just think, oh, you know, self-sustainability. I can just grow carrots and potatoes and all these kind of things. But there's a lot more work to that. You know, that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg of what needs to be done in terms of responsible and accountable stewardship to the land that that he's doing constantly. It is a full-time job, and he's he's a senior. You know, he's in his mid-seventies, and he's constantly doing this. Like it's it's and it's work that won't end. I mean his life will eventually end and um, maybe somebody will take up that work on the land, but then maybe somebody won't, you know? And, and it was just a wonderful conversation around, you know, that sharing was so much about 
was about accountability and responsibility and good eldership and good stewardship, you know, and then, and, you know, we've talked, the three of us, you know, in previous conversations about, you know, just there kind of being a, a really deep lack of grown-ups, you know, grown-ups in our world. There's a lot of elderly people, but, you know, not a lot of grown-ups, you know, and, and, and it just, I just really am thankful for Peter's presence in, in my life because he just feels like a real grown-up. And I have to admit, too, working in the context that I work in there, grown-ups are actually few and far between, you know, and... Um, so it's one story and uh, the other one is much shorter, much shorter. And uh, it comes from, you know, it's not my story and it's very short. It's, uh, I have a colleague that I work with. Her name is Lisa Hermer. She's a peer in many ways, uh, age wise. And she's not, a, she wouldn't call herself an elder or anything, but you know, she also works with a lot of elders within her practice. And um, gosh, I, I, I feel bad that I don't remember the elder's name, but she shared just one simple, one simple teaching that, you know, has always stuck with her from this elder, you know, and it's, I think it talk goes back to, to what we were kind of framing the conversation around, you know, like, you know, you know, how do we interrupt this notion of a checklist and, you know, notions of, you know, using these kind of works as, you know, currency or social mobility or, using the work or language to appropriate, to, to look virtuous, all these kind of things. And, you know, I, and just as, you know, this one phrase stuck with Lisa and when Lisa shared it with me, I, it stuck with me too. And, you know, this elder had said um, to paraphrase, you know, the land doesn't care what you say, the land cares what you do, you know? And, and for me, that's always been a really great compass in terms of uh, the shared work, I think the three of us are doing, you know, I, I mean, within our own context, but uh, but it's something that stuck with me since that was shared with me several months ago, how it's just kind of another layer of, of um, questions and, and, and inquiries that I ask myself when I'm, when I'm developing um, anything, you know, whether it's new project or new relationship, all these kind of things, you know, how you know, I kind of developed these um, internal questions for myself around, you know, how do I move through the world, um, whether it's personal or work life, you know, and um, really thankful for those, those kind of elderly grown up teachings that, that kind of um, emerged, um, gifts that emerged in, in, in my life over the last year or two. So, so, um, so those kind of things are greatly and deeply informing you know, the, the work um, on my end of things, you know, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure both of you encounter these kind of aha moments, you know, once in a while when, when you're navigating through your work and through your lives, you know? Yeah, if we're, if we're lucky enough and to catch them, right? I always think about like, oh, I have it. And then it slips away and is gone. Um, like I had it, did I have it? I don't know if I had it. Um, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for sharing those, both of those stories. Um, what comes up for me in, in the story that you shared uh, from, uh, from Peter is that the reciprocity with the land was not about self-sustaining, but was about sustaining so much broader than what can the land offer me? 
which you know often in the spheres of um, sustainability are about what can we do to sustain the land to sustain us so you know in the example of I can I can grow carrots or I could grow whatever things that's still about what can the land offer me as opposed to you know what do I have to offer the land which I feel like is very much the story that you you shared with um, you know Peter uh, taking the time to to work with the land and to sustain the um, the species that were there, as opposed to this invasive uh, species, which is just a metaphor for all kinds of things, including colonization. Uh, yeah. There are many many layers within that story, and um, yeah, you know, and that's what I love about great storytelling is mm -hmm. that you know, I mean, things might seem. I don't want to say simple, but if there's another word for simple, that's a little more generative. But like it just, and sometimes though those 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 stories, you know, they just kind of hit you like weeks later or months later or years later, you know. And I, I just was so thankful that he offered that, that you know, forty-five minute story, you know, and uh, and it's a few weeks ago now, and it's just I think about it every single day, you know. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's bring me back to some conversation we had together um, in the series of call about uh, legacy and, and seeing leg legacy differently as in white colonial mindset or, or in, in Northern society, mostly we see um, aging and retiring as accumulating in some ways in in order to be able to give back or to to have some things and to there's a kind of of yet yeah, to, to um yeah it's like legacy as as a as an object as a as a former of of something and 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 this story that you're uh, you're sharing with us um brings me back to also to to the a counterpart that we've been discussing together but what does legacy as movement looks like and and as you were <clears throat> you were putting it Jocelyn is it's not caring about the land in a way to uh, be able to retire and say I have all this and it looks nice look what I've achieved but really wondering about what does the land is going to look like when I leave it and how, yeah, how the, the relationship can be respectful of who the land truly is or, or trying to, like, as you were saying, Elwood, like trying to re remember who are the being, who are the plants there, who was who was evicted from, from those lands and who could be, bring something back to those lands. And we don't know what it is and probably that Peter doesn't either, but it's not, it's not about knowing and it's not about looking for something in particular, but really, yeah, in a way, um, blowing in the, in, in, in the, in a move, in the same sense of a movement or, or contributing to something that, that is going to pursue that or that is that is going to be beyond just self and, and yeah, yeah. And, 
you know, I, I think back to, and you know, one of the things too, you know, I love story, you know, and, um, and uh, it plays such a huge part in, in so many indigenous cultures, right? You know, the, the art of storytelling, but it also, apart from being a catalyst for people gathering and for, for people sometimes to be entertained, it's actually, you know, within, within, within that practice, within a lot of indigenous communities, you know, it's actually building a lot of different resiliencies and staminas and muscles that we don't actually really engage within, within kind of modern colonial structures, right? Around listening and, and being with and, and uh, embodying. And also embedded with those stories, you know, I, I thought about it when I was listening to Peter, you know, and I, I mean, his was a very modern day story, but, you know, stories, that's okay. You know, they don't need to be 10,000 year old stories for us to learn from and to, and to take, to take uh, lessons away from, you know, but I mean, the practice itself, you know, I was thinking a lot about that and how embedded within his story, but then embedded within almost all of those stories that are thousands of years old, because, you know, there are many indigenous stories that are told over and over and over. And, and, um, a lot of them you're not allowed to tell unless you spend the time with the, with the teller, right? And you actually have to, you almost, you know, to use a kind of Western sense apprentice with, with that person, you know, and that entails many different things in order for you to, to, to build the responsibility within your body and the accountability within your body, not just to the person sharing, but to the story itself, you know? And so there's all these multiple layers that really gesture towards accountability and responsibility. And within the stories themselves, you know, those are often how accountability and responsibility is passed down to, to pass down and passed uh, across, you know, and, and, um, and uh, you know, and I, again, you know, I, I just want to kind of acknowledge my friend Lisa, who I mentioned earlier, we had a conversation after Peter's talk, you know, and she talked about, you know, how, you know, we we are desperately lacking better stories you know we always amplify these these stories of people in social mobility or people you know it's always these kind of you know everybody just amplifies stories of billionaires or celebrities or whatever but you know we don't um those are not necessarily good stories you know in terms of having us move in in more in in more sustainable and less harmful ways you know and how what are how are the different ways we can actually actually support and nurture and nourish better stories with within our communities that that do these multiple multiple layers of of, of learning and unlearning and teaching and and moving you know and and as what Stephen said you know with within that practice there are so many possibilities and opportunities to to move differently you know and. Um, um, and I, I've been, you know, that's, it's been actually, you know, occupying, occupying a big, large part of my heart and my body the last few weeks, you know, I, I kind of get attached to these things, you know, like, I mean, Peter is just kind of, oh, yeah, I just, I didn't even know what I was saying. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't even plan, I didn't even know what I was going to say until, you know, the minute we started. And, uh, and sometimes that's okay, because sometimes that's when, you know, um, you know, some real truths come out and said, you know, sometimes we prepare a little too much, and, you know, that doesn't allow for spontaneity. And then, 
and also reading kind of reading the room to say you know to I mean it's hard to you know when you're doing things online but still you can still kind of you can still pick up on energy through through a computer you know and you can still kind of pick up where people are and what they're what they're willing to 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 absorb or not absorb or you know just people's energy so and I think he's really great at that he's actually he's developed a kind of an invisible invisibilized but very powerful radar on uh, on reading the room you know and then being able to 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 um, kind of instinctively and maybe first nature know know what what's needed you know and uh, and it's it's nice it's nice again to you know to kind of bring it back to you know that our kind of shared shared interest about eldership and aging and dying you know it's 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 how do we how do we cultivate that um, not just in other elderly people but then in ourselves you know where I feel you know we're all kind of in the same age group peer wise just from appearance you know I don't want to don't want to project people's ages you know but uh, but looking at yourselves and myself you know I feel like we're kind of in that you know we're not you know we're not um, we're not super youthful, but we're not super elderly. You know, we're just kind of in that <laughs> in-between space. You know? Don't, don't worry, you, you, you can't offend us on, on these types of questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, you know what I was going to say? I was going to say that's the biggest compliment to me. But then that's me being ageist, too. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it's always tricky, you know. And uh, yeah, no, I, I've always... Uh, yeah, I mean, we all have our own relationships to age. I mean, for me, you know, I, I it was um, it was interesting when I turned forty. I um, it wasn't a big thing. Like you know, people were like, oh wow, you're turning forty, blah blah blah. But then I was like, hey. I woke up feeling exactly the same. There wasn't any sort of crisis or or anything like that for me. But then it was like a couple years on for some reason. I was like, oh, like you know, now I'm like not forty. I'm like I'm. I'm like, you know, 42, I can, you know, I don't know. It was just weird. It was weird. All of a sudden, like, it just was such an odd number to, to, to pin a crisis on, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it was, but I mean, it was the smallest of crisis. I mean, in the, in the global context, you know, of crisis, you know, this was on the 0 0.00001 scale, you know, but uh, just interesting how your relationship to numbers, you know, and, um, but definitely along with that, though, where, um, you know, this this notion of like, okay, well, you know, now that you're, this is present right now, so don't don't try push it away or don't um, don't try ignore it or minimize, you know, these feelings, right? You know, like to actually sit with those feelings and, and what's going through you and and and, and what um, what's going through you and you know to to go back to something you said earlier. Um, Jocelyn, you know, is like, what should I have my body open here? That's that's trying to be received, you know. Like, I need to actually um, open my body in a way to to catch whatever, <laughs> whatever the 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 universe, whatever you want to call it. You know, Vanessa, our colleague Vanessa, would call it the wider metabolism. People call it the universe. Uh, my people call it the great mystery. Like, there's something that wants to land, and you have to open and shift your body to 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 accept that invitation right so so um, yeah it's been an interesting kind of time you know with uh, aging so to speak you know and then and, and kind of reaching 
middle age, I guess, and uh, <laughs> how, how, how you kind of, I mean, for me, you know, how I just, I just feel in the last year, especially with the pandemic, there's been different calls uh, to responsibility and accountability an obligation that maybe I'd been resisting for, for some time, like uh, explicitly and maybe subconsciously as well, but, um, but actually having to, to address those things and, and you, know, you know, and start moving in different ways um, that we talked about, you know, growing up and showing up differently and how, and how that looks in, you know, one's own body, uh, you know, and, um, and, you know, the, the work that that entails, you know, as opposed to, you know, expecting it from others all the time, but, you know, we all, mm -hmm. and, you know, even was talking about reciprocity, I feel that's a big part of it, you know, is that the work that we expect of others, we also have to, we also have to dive deep and dig deep to, to, to make that happen within our own bodies. Yes, and there's something we've been talking a bit about lately, Jocelyn and I, of how we've been engaging in this process really together, and 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 how and and you've you've touched a bit on this of how it's not about well how people often fall into a trap of of a hero narrative or, or a self idealization trap of of an inclusive or or getting into into those narratives and how this work of engaging with reciprocity uh, is hard to do alone. You, like having, uh, ha having people who have the respect and openness to also call you accountable in gentle ways, but with, with, with the wisdom of, of it and, and, and I think like Justin and I reflecting about reciprocity and, and a lot and being introduced in the last two years to also some, some indigenous uh, teachings and, and stories. I mean, it, it has been really helpful to be together in this trying to calibrate differently to how we received those stories, how we sit with them, how we layer them as... Um, a story that are not ours that we cannot understand fully that but that yet can teach us something and and really be in, in this reflect this reflecting of how how can we continue to work or embody those teachings but in ways that are not romanticizing in them or or weaponizing them and and because you, you see it so often, like even on Facebook on, on memes or like people sharing little bits of hopes with uh, a, a metaphor that is from an unknown indigenous community. And they're like, and, and these kind of, of mantra that people are repeating themselves in ways to make sense with life, but without having access or even questioning themselves about the layers of those and, and, and what it means to actually be accountable to those, to those stories and who, who, yeah, who can listen really with maturity to, to these stories and receive them with, uh, yeah, with, with the proper layering and, and the proper, I think, self-criticize and how you listen to them and how you're not 
also project projecting yourself as oh well I know that now or I've I've got that and it, it that story is in my checklist I'm a, I'm a better person now but how do you call yourself accountable to those stories and 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 the teachings that comes with them that can be political sometimes it's not just about how you behave yourself better and how you're more respectful or friendly to others but how in ways you um your political self is 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 calibrated differently in in a way that is responsive to that yeah i i think one of the ways that showed up recently in a few different um places if i'm on the right thought pattern here Stephen. so you correct me if i'm if i'm not where you're at but uh is um like when presenting um some cartographies about you know crit critique of modernity and how and where we are the response is to bypass the diving into what that actually means and how I'm how I might be connected or how others might be connected to the complicity and harm what what are the violences and the unsustainabilities the the ways those things are coming up to bypass that to get to hope can we have hope just what what can we what can we hope for what can we focus on the the hope for something else um and not like as a as a way to sort of circumvent actually sitting with the discomfort of what is what is there what's there to be seen um you know sort of in in the way you were talking a little about like can we open ourselves up to that too um to the the pain of that and to be able to sit with it to learn from it i don't know if that made sense to what you were saying so even we felt it it came alive for me and so i thought oh i have to share that and Stephen had a really amazing response in one of the groups because you know during covid what has happened around uh older people in particular and you know in the first wave especially uh, with the issues that were happening in long-term care it was like people wanted to bypass looking at that what's happening um with older people who are more susceptible like it's like thinking COVID is COVID happens to all of us. And so like, can't we just look to the hope, but actually can we look to hope when this is, this is like real, real, painful, terrible things. Yeah. Lately I heard um, the short expression that we're in the same storm, but not on the same boat. And and I think it's something that comes a lot to the work of the collective and, and this idea of, of separability, how we're able to separate ourselves from the pain of other people. But while thinking that we are all one, it's like th this bypassing, it's like I'm separating myself from the pain, but I'm also seeing myself as connected to or, or, or as... Yeah, as equal or as in the same boat. It's like actually no, there's a lot of, of difference and 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 the con and and what you were saying earlier, it's not only about um, what we say and how when we can have better intentions, but how can we show up in actions too and 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 even like I think with, with our work and that we do in social innovation, Jocelyn and I, it has been really um um 
yeah, a challenge to reflect on how we start to try to embody this reciprocity in this work that is not um, rooted in, in reciprocity. And it's, it's always about uh, figuring the next thing and doing in the in the quickest way about making every knowledge available to everyone to uh, listen to everybody's output because everybody's voice is important to bring to a solution but it's it's and and all those conversations and, and these learnings throughout the time with the collective like really um yeah, make it hard to continue the work as we were doing it before, and as as you're mentioning it, Jocelyn, this the the how the crisis is hitting differently the in in some ways the aging populations and that um, oh my god I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what was I thinking about? It's just God. <laughs> it evaporated um we were talking about what we were talking about before the i was going somewhere mm. yeah okay sorry it's coming back so yeah as, as you're mentioning it the, the way that the pandemic is hitting differently on, on seniors and and here in quebec we're starting to have people talking about how can we have a national conversation about this? How can we bring seniors in the conversation and, and, and hear their needs and we need to hear their voices and near to, and yeah, in a way I'm kind of, of listening to that and I'm like trying to imagine like, so we're gonna be in a Zoom meeting and at some point some senior is gonna say something that is gonna blow our minds up because it's gonna be an innovative solution and it's gonna be, radical from what we've always been thinking without actually really digging into what is the source of the problem here? How was it already here? How were we seeing it already happening? It was not a surprise. It was not, um, yeah, this, this idea of, of separability and, and, and not wanting to, to look at the pain that, well, the denial of, of, of the pain of others, of, of the pain of other beings and, and, uh, and the bigger metabolism and how we, um, oh my God, I'm, <laughs> I promise I haven't, suggest that there's too many layers I think now in my mind it's like I yeah, think anyway. that's just an indication that maybe you just take a break from talking for a second <laughs> exactly what better place to take a break in this episode than when we've lost our train of thought we've covered a lot of ground so far we've talked about towards braiding what it means to enter this work with reciprocity with accountability and responsibility, different kinds of legacies and stories. Always shared stories. We've talked about the lack of stories and we're really looking forward to sharing the second part of this episode and diving deeper into these topic areas. Until then.